Welcome to Author Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Onco Farm, the Bill Gann College of Pharmacy. Today, we're talking about dosing of chemotherapy in obese patients. And um, we have new guidelines. We have updated guidelines, I should say, from the American Society of Clinical Oncology, ASCO. Uh, appropriate systemic therapy dosing for obese adult patients with cancer. Uh, just within the last couple weeks, um, uh, I was I got a question about dosing of obesity for uh, for someone who's going to get RCHOP. And I typically tell students when teaching them about verifying chemo orders, you know, typically if you're calculating a, a BSA body surface area and you get a, a BSA that's not close to two. Unless the person's really tiny or really big, you probably messed up the calculation and double check it. This individual had a BSA of three, uh, which, you know, for those of you who aren't, um, you know, American listening to this, your stereotype of Americans, uh, well, let me just say that uh, as the guidelines state, from 1999 to 2018, the prevalence of obesity, so it's a BMI above 30, has gone from 30% to 42% uh, here in the United States. So we do encounter quite a few obese patients. Uh, and, um, I, you know, I knew kind of the data for cytotoxic chemo, but I hadn't considered it for rituximab in this case, uh, <clears throat> you know, and didn't find anything that suggested that we need to do anything differently. In fact, maybe even dose-reducing rituximab or fixed-dose rituximab maybe could have uh, uh, an inferior uh, outcome in this patient. And literally the next day, these guidelines came out. So uh, this this brings us to, to let's talk about these guidelines. And for those of you who, who have practiced for a while, there's really not a whole lot new in these guidelines from the old guidelines. And just to provide uh, a little bit uh, of context, I know this is a question that is, you know, commonly comes up for anybody new to oncology is uh, because the dosing for many of our cytotoxic agents are based on body surface area, the bigger the patient, the bigger the dose, and therefore the bigger toxicity is the thought that you kind of intuitively come to. However, that doesn't seem to be the case. So I'm quoting here from from page five of the guidelines. Historically, cytotoxic chemotherapy dosing based on BSA was often capped or based on idealized weight in the severely obese patient with cancer over fear of excessive toxicity. <clears throat> okay, so the guidelines, um, there were guidelines I think from 2012, I wanna say, somewhere in that range, uh, that basically said don't dose reduce for obesity. Don't cap the BSA at two, which was a common thing, or 2.2 for people who have really high BSAs. Um, and that was based on a, a relatively modest body of literature of not great, not perfectly designed studies saying that doing that, um, you know, maybe it decreased toxicity, not in everybody, but it also decreased outcomes uh, and, and efficacy in patients. Uh, and so there are a few updates uh, since those guidelines that further support that. So there are a couple, uh, you know, here's a, a meta-analysis of 15 studies they talk about of overweight or obese women um, uh, with anthracyclines, uh, and then trastuzumab, they were more likely to have cardiotoxicity if they're obese, but, uh, you know, maybe that has something to do with being obese and not necessarily a higher dose of the drug. And there are certainly studies in the breast cancer population that capping the BSA does result in inferior outcomes, uh, and that's been shown in, in multiple studies. Not every study has shown that, but more studies that look at dose capping cytotoxic chemo show inferior outcomes, if they look for it, than show no change or no difference in outcomes. And this is, you know, somewhat, this has been studied in 
uh, lymphomas and breast cancer and colon cancer and prostate cancer. Uh, and if you look at all the evidence in some, which is what the guidelines have done, you know, they basically reached the, the, the following conclusion. There's little evidence to suggest that obese patients dosed on the base of their actual body weight have increased toxicity. While there are data from retrospective studies that underdosing is associated with inferior outcomes. So, you know, the dose dosing based on BSA should continue to be based on BSA and follow the label. And I'll point out that there are a few drugs here and there, like I think Ixabepilone, uh, brand name Exempra, which you probably don't use a whole lot, does have like a dose cap of a BSA of 2.2. So you should still follow the label, uh, which the guidelines do recommend. But there is, <clears throat> you know, in general, if somebody has a BSA of 3, you're doing 375 milligrams of rituximab times, you know, uh, times that, that BSA of 3. Um, or, or uh, 50 milligrams times times 3, okay? All right. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about, uh, I'm skipping here to, like, recommendation 6, because this caught my eye. The panel recommends, you know, using a, basically any BSA calculator to calculate BSA, Dubois, or Mosteller. This is something I did not know, and I just point out that the, the reason we use BSA that I may have said on this podcast, you know, really seems to come from treating kids with leukemia in the 1950s, and I've got this study from 1958 on my computer. I show my students this, of uh, pink and colleagues, I think at Roswell Park in Buffalo, and they're trying to show what dose of methotrexate should we use for adults, and they're trying to extrapolate the dose that they use in infants and children, and they figure it's not milligrams per kilogram, it's milligrams per meter squared is what predicts that. But these do, you know, the commonly used equations Dubois and Mosteller were validated in a time when we were not as obese as we are now, uh, as as a as a society, at least in the West and in the United States. Uh, and uh, you know, the guidelines specified that people that are really really tall or really really small, or are really really heavy or really really tiny, that sometimes BSA can distort things, almost like a Mercator projection distorts, you know, areas around the North Pole and the South Pole, uh, with regards to geography. Uh, the same thing can happen for body surface area calculations. And quote, there are ongoing efforts to establish a new BSA equation suitable for the 21st century, which is going to have me asking, do we have to redo all these studies uh, using this BSA? Which we probably won't. So there'll be something maybe coming down the road based on the fact that there are some really smart folks on these guidelines, including uh, Donald Harvey, uh, another pharmacist I'm not familiar with. So they're, you know, it's interesting. Somebody knows something I don't. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing that. Uh, another really interesting thing in the guidelines, especially in the area of immune checkpoint inhibitors, and this was something specifically they looked at here, uh, is should we do fixed dosing of immune checkpoint inhibitors in obese patients? So instead of giving, you know, whatever is 10 milligrams per kilogram of I don't know amab, you know, should we do fixed dosing? And uh, you know, for pembrolizumab and nivolumab, we have fixed dosing available, and that's you know that's reasonable to do for those drugs. But for other drugs that don't have a fixed dosing option to label, you should still do milligram per kilogram. Uh, there is, with immune checkpoint inhibitors, something I was not aware of called the obesity paradox, where patients who are obese have more toxicity, which you might think has to do with getting more drug, but they also have more efficacy. And maybe that's also related to more drug, but the guidelines uh, suggest that it's independent of weight. Um, it doesn't appear to be independent of weight, uh, or it appears to be independent of weight. This this fact, uh, or this finding that obese patients receiving immune checkpoint inhibitors have more toxicity and more efficacy than those who are normal weight. Uh, one theory is that obese patients uh, have higher levels of leptin, and that increases expression of, of PD-L1. Uh, but for now, the dosing should be based off of the, um, 
based off the, uh, the label. Uh, there's also uh, something interesting here about uh, the benefit of rituximab in older women who are obese may be lower because in obesity there could be faster clearance of rituximab. I'm not sure where that reference actually came from uh, in the writing of this. But, you know, the, the big end of this short podcast take-home point is when you have someone that's a BSA of three and you're like, wow, that's going to be a lot of doxorubicin, you really should give them all that doxorubicin uh, based on the, you know, the, the prevalence of, of the evidence that we have in dosing patients on obesity. Now, you can go off and you can find a single study here or there showing that, that obesity uh, and, and dosing with full BSA has more toxicity and less efficacy, but if you look at the whole evidence across multiple disease states inside of toxic, you'll come to the same conclusion that uh, the ASCO guideline update has that uh, you know we should not cap our BSA, even if intuitively... Uh, is against our judgment and maybe is a, a little scary to give such a high dose of some of these cytotoxic agents. That's still what the best evidence says. Uh, now this is, I will say, this is independent uh, from, from, from stem cell transplant conditioning regimens, which I'm not talking about uh, because I don't do that, uh, at least not for a decade. So thank you for listening to, uh, to Oncofarm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNip and follow the podcast on both uh, Twitter and Instagram at OncoFarmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Mm-hmm.